0: Welcome to Electronically Yours with Martin Ware.
1: Hi, it's Martin here, Electronically Yours, as always. Uh, Today's guest is quite an extraordinary person. He's come from uh, a similar kind of background to me. He's a bit younger than me, but um, a lot of similarities in our uh, creative paths. His name is Richard Norris, most famous for the grid, I suppose. And he's one of the earliest progenitors of the UK acid house scene. Jack the Tab The Grid was with Dave Ball who's obviously an Electronically Yours alumni and uh, they had 10 hit singles uh, Swamp Thing being the most famous very popular uh, thing he had a band called Beyond the Wizard's Sleeve he's done collaborations with all sorts of people ranging from Joe Strummer Capital Brothers Franz Ferdinand Brian Ferry Genesis Mark Armand Genesis P. Orridge Midlake He's very interested in um, ambient music. His his current thing is ambient music, in fact, largely. Um, He does a thing called Music for Healing, where every month he composes 20 minutes worth of healing music. And uh, his latest Ambient album, which is about to come out, it's really good. Um, He's a DJ as well, of course, and he performs live all the time. He's done many things. He's collaborated with Robert Fripp, for instance, done soundtrack work. He did the official. He's a journalist as well, and he's a writer. He, he's written for. He's written the official biography of Paul Oakenfold. And, you know, generally, uh, all round interesting guy. So here he is, Richard Norris. <laughs>
0: So how are you keeping? Good. I'm all right. I'm all right. I've had COVID, which hasn't been good. It's meant I've cancelled about seven gigs, which is a bit annoying. But <coughs> but it's okay. It was quite mild. But um, I'm uh, I moved um, I moved to the country about a year ago to to uh, to Lewis in uh, East Sussex, where in fact we moved here before, but we moved back to London and then moved back out here. And I've um just built this lovely studio, which you can, uh, uh, well, yeah, your, your your listeners won't be able to see, but you, you you'll be able to see a bit of it, which is great. It just uh, First first time about a nice kind of soundproofed room, and uh, it's um, it's it's great really. So, I'm just mainly uh, walking that walking on the hills with the dog and uh, making
1: squiggly noises in the studio. Oh, (laughs) nice, nice. Um, thank you for uh, sending me the link to the um, to the ambient album. Oh, yeah, yeah, great. I think. Is that out now? I'm a bit confused. No, uh, so it's coming out in um, February. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, all, all I can say to the listeners is, I th- i mean, I'm not saying that because you're here. I probably wouldn't have, obviously, if you're not sent it to me, I wouldn't have heard it. But um, I think it's one of the most beautiful ambient albums I've ever heard. I just think it's absolutely outstanding. Thanks um, much. Are you talking to somebody here who is a big fan of that genre? Yeah. Um, and of course, I'm sure we're both heavily influenced by Brian Eno in this respect. Um, yeah, it's an interesting
0: record. I mean, what it is, it's um, for the last sort of, well, since kind of before <laughs> lockdown, I started uh, making, uh, I mean, I've always been a big fan, as you say, with Eno and, and um, yeah, particularly the things he put out on EG. I mean, we were, we were, um, uh, the Grids were in fact uh, managed by David Entoven who was the E out of EG so uh, uh, and one of the reasons <laughs> I think we uh, we were keen to ma- be managed by him was because was of the uh, you know and the Roxy connection and well in fact all the other people that he managed he managed like Mark Boland and, and Kim Crimson and ERP and all kinds of people um, but he was uh, yeah so that was that, that you know it's always been something that I've been into but, but I hadn't really made many records I don't know, over like last sort of 20, 30 years I, I hadn't really done many so I started in lockdown um uh creating this thing called music for healing which was um um it was basically I was I was having real I was living in Port Bella Road I've lived there for years and uh, I mean you know that area very well from uh burning Virgin, Re- Virgin records in burning well, York. I used to live just
1: up the road on Westbourne Park oh right
0: yeah, yeah. right 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 exactly right around the corner yeah so, so um so I was there for, for ages, and then we'd moved back out of the country, moved back, and there was there was just kind of chaos going on outside our flat with, like, drug dealing and threats and all kinds of nonsense. And um, so I thought, oh, God, I really need to create some kind of sort of safe space for myself inside the house. So I kind of uh, went to my studio and started writing these very ambient long pieces, So which was a kind of... It's almost like a safe sonic space i guess you know it was just try to create this you know obviously ambience a big kind of landscape <clears> try to create this kind of quite safe landscape and i was just doing it for myself and then started putting them out on Bandcamp. and then uh once um <coughs> once we hit lockdown i thought right well maybe other people you know it was helping me quite a lot in terms of just uh anxiety and being being a bit more chilled out and so i started putting them up on Bandcamp during the First lockdown, and I, I released like one one a week, and um, gave all the and they twenty minute pieces, and um, I gave all the money to um, uh, to Minds Mental Health Charity. Really, and, uh, and the response was phenomenal. Not phenomenal, phenomenal. I just get, was getting people writing in saying uh, it's helped them with well, just stress and anxiety, but also um, um, uh, bereavement, and um, I had people that were carers for Alzheimer's patients that that were were uh, people with Alzheimer's that were. <coughs> listening to it and it's saying that you know one person who you know hadn't talked for a long time put the headphones on and when they tried to take the headphones off her she wouldn't let, let them off and 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 talked afterwards so it's, i mean it's, i thought well there's something in this and there's definitely something in you know drone music and slow music and and i did purposely kind of take out a lot of sort of surprise or elements you know certain sonic elements certainly top end or or mm. um you know and just kind of cre- try to create this quite warm sort of you know as a twin says you know like a bit of an anal- analog bubble bath basically And yeah. uh, so it was purposely you know it wasn't it wasn't it was it was had a you know had it had a purpose in a function as well as as, a, as an aesthetic um uh purpose as well um so so yes yeah, so i started doing those and then and then i've also been putting out just kind of abstract electronic pieces um on bandcamp as well and so yeah this the new album which is um it's called Deep listening 2019 2022 so a nice catchy long title um it's uh it's basically a lot of those tracks all cut down and it's quite weird because because uh it, as you say it's, it's, so I, I didn't sort of think of it as an album until until i've done it but now when you hear, hear it as a as a piece it really does sound like one album which which i guess it is because it's it's you know it's all um it's a you know a continuum of work being done over the last three years in the same studio same equipment yeah. so it has
1: gone i, a, I a think piece. it shows um a great deal of skill in terms of how you assembled and produced and engineered those tracks. Right, now, I don't think people, you know, the average person would just go, this is really top quality work, but they wouldn't know why. Mm. As a yeah. producer, and engineer myself, I understand why.
0: I think it's um, that thing of, of, um, of what you don't put in isn't it? a lot of it.
1: <laughs> I've just, always been fascinated with the idea of um, mixing down. Mm. Uh, into with faders you know mixing in an inverse fashion so you start with faders at the top and see how quietly you can rather than working on pushing things up Mm. on a mixing desk pulling things down on a mixing desk seems to work with ambient music very well
0: definitely definitely I mean I've I find I'm a I'm a bit of a maximalist, really. I like I like all kinds of music, all kinds of art, all kinds of different things, and all kinds of ideas. And I always have lots of ideas. And so for me, it's like you know, some people say, "Oh, he has loads of ideas," but you know, only a few of them are great. And and I absolutely agree. I think only a few of them are great. But I have to have all the ideas, and then kind of pull back and pull back and pull back, and then you know, three out of ten might be might be worth using or something. And and, and that's definitely the, the approach that I do with the uh, with music. But um, and and I always, for me, it's more like you get to a point in a mix where you know the mix is working when you start taking stuff away and it's and it's and it's, it starts sounding better and I, I love that bit when it's like aha that's a real you know the eureka moment in the middle of the mix when you're going okay this is this is you know it's going the right direction and um except for these ones i, di- I did start by m- making a few rules as well i kind of thought right okay well you know it, because you know as, as you well know you know you've, you've, the um there's, you know, you've got every sound available to you at your fingertips instantly, you know, which is compared to how it was, you know, years ago. That's such a, it's a different thing, but it, which is an amazing thing, but it also can be a bit of a burden because it means, you know, in terms of what you do, what choices you make, it's, there's so many, it can be a bit overwhelming. So with, with this, I, I, I really kind of set some rules. So like they're all, all the tracks, even though you won't hear it, cause there's no drums on it, but they're all at 60 BPM. Um, they've all, uh, I always try and use like, you know, not many bits of equipment it's, it's kind of so for example i'll do one that's just on the um like a matrix 1000 i've got which is just a it's kind of rap 90s rap unit of matrix sounds and i've got a little controller for it and um and to see you know can you do that is it possible to make a track that sounds sort of different enough just using one bit of kit and uh or, or use one reverb or if i've done too many pads or too many things i'll go back in and say right you only allow one pad on one base and one, you know, just so it's kind of it's quite weird that because sort of um having sort of quite sort of uh sort of disciplined rules, you think that would kind of kind of tie you in to make things. No, the inverse doesn't, does it? Yeah.
1: The inverse yeah. is true in my experience. Yeah. I mean, we used to do the same thing with the early human lead. Right. Right. Um, but that was through necessity, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Only you know, added like two or three cents yeah.
0: anyway. Well I love the way with those those records that that um the the energy of it is is that because they're played you can kind of
1: yes
0: very it's,
1: it's such a different thing isn't it? and it's just it like it really that, is you know and it's like early of, chicago house music and detail yeah, yeah yeah i and prefer time, to like the fully automated stuff like well, right. i
0: mean at the time we didn't know we thought this was like machine like craft work robots you know completely on it but but it's only now when we've heard we're so used to things being quantized and exactly in time i mean i remember um uh, Hugh Cornwall of the Stranglers talking about uh, some early um, uh, electronic music that was using <laughs> sequencers, and he said uh, he didn't like it because it was also in time. He said you could t- uh, hold yeah. the vinyl up and see the grooves because then they look very e- uh, even and equal.
1: Yeah, which is
0: and, uh, and I think it's true that, it's, that things do get lost. I mean, even with, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's lost, You know, things like um, Art of Glass by Blondie, I mean, when they're sort of doing that and it's got this old lovely... Um, I think it's like a cr78 rolling drum machine on it and stuff and so they did all, you know it was all done by kind of you know putting in the bass drum one by one and it's it's uh it's uh it's it's amazing that the slight differences you know we need that as, as human beings i think don't we i
1: think <laughs> absolutely that's a very good point but also i think The fun stuff, or the stuff I prefer anyway, is when you've got something that's kind of rock solid in the center that seems to drift around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that could be a fantastic drummer. A lot of drummers are much better in terms of timekeeping now, because they have to be onto a click or whatever, or it could be a drum machine, of course, but something rock solid in the middle and then put the organic bits around it, I think really makes it swing more. In yeah, yeah, yeah. the broadest sense of the word, Definitely. and um, yeah, I, I I even love things like tape drift over time and kind yeah. of degradation over time, yeah, yeah. things yeah, yeah. like that. And what's the other thing I was going to mention that you? It was something about composition. Mm. Oh, I know what it was. It was when I was doing the B F. Um, a Quality and Distinction album. I, it was like doing a kind of university course in right. song composition because you had to analyze the original songs. I'd never done that before. Yes. I knew where I liked. Um, and then you realize you put them into like Logic or something yes. and you analyze them and you realize the tempo's drifting all over the place. Right. Yeah, yeah. And normally uh, it incrementally increases during the chorus or towards mm. the chorus. And then oftentimes, the drummer would sit back in the verse yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it would get more exciting again in the middle eight or all that really subtle stuff, which you've got yeah. no real conscious idea of when you're listening to records. Yeah, but When you're making them mm. and you want to, then you get into the world of, oh God, I have to program this stuff yeah. to make it sound real. And he always, always used to make me laugh, the yeah. whole humanize button. Right. It's yeah. still there. <laughs> it's like just get somebody to fucking play it, right? Let's get a human. I mean humanize. <laughs> it's not humanizing, it's randomizing. It's a different thing entirely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. um but I just want to go back to <clears throat> music for healing because um it's something that's I've got a great deal of interest in. Um I've got a company called illustrious which does immersive soundscapes and stuff you probably know about and we've done a couple of gigs where we have 3d sound system and we immerse people in a kind of hybrid electronic stroke real yeah. kind of gong bath scenario yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, with real with real kind of practitioners who do that yeah. stuff yeah. and uh and i'm gonna do a new gig Mm. featuring the something that we originally debuted in the El Fil- I mean, uh, Philharmonic concert hall in Hamburg, mm. I did with Will Gregory and um, Adrian Utley from um, uh, the Moog Ensemble. And I'm going to do it uh, at Sheffield University next year. Great. And I'm looking for collaborators and i was wondering if you might be interested
0: i'd love to do it that sounds fantastic yeah i've had and to we're gonna
1: have a big 3d it, sound system in there yeah i've had some, ex,
0: some experience with it i, I did um uh dnb have got this uh place in in uh in the west country or which is like this tram shed this kind of is 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 embarking is- and brunel built old shed which is near their their place and they they put in the 20 speakers around um, system in there i did a gig i worked with, with them, them actually yeah, yeah. lovely guys They're really good yeah. and and uh, the, the the most fun of doing it was um going up to the gig and doing like spending they let me have a day before just to see what you can do and it was just like it was such a revelation it's like it's almost like we're gonna have to like rethink about how to write music but yeah. to this system because there's there's so many exciting things that could happen with this you know yeah, and, um, i've
1: been doing this stuff as. But, twenty years now and it yeah. has completely reconfigured how I think about right. composition. And and is it and do you think it's like in the
0: last few years has it changed much or is it still the same sort of principles as earlier on? Same principles,
1: there's just more systems now. Of course, data like, has come in and that's yeah. coming for like the dominant system now. Yeah. It's it's fine, but it's it has limitations, whereas we've got a uh, illustrious has got a proprietary system called 3d audioscape which is based on ambisonics which is much more realistic sounding and immersive than Dolby Atmos so anyway um, we'll yeah, take this it, conversation it. offline and,
0: yeah no we'll, we'll, I'd love to love to do that be um,
1: and it's you know there's nobody nobody's going to earn a lot of money out of it but it can be an amazing experience uh, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean the, th- the, um, the thing that I found <clears> playing <throat> on those sort of sound systems is that it's a bit similar to what we were saying about making uh, making ambient music. That, in that, you know, you, you 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 actually want to be really minimal, and and um, yes. you know, the, the very very few things seem to. I was trying all different things. I was going right, okay, well let's try, you know, let's put try the bass drum going around the room, and they're like, no, that doesn't work at all. You, yeah, need, you still need some sort of place, uh, some sort of focus bit, and I think yeah, sort of bass snare. You know, for dance stuff you know electronic stuff it should still be kind of in the middle also yeah. the thing is with with a lot of lot of venues they've still got there's still going to be a stage so so there should i think some sounds should s- sound like they're coming from the stage but it's just the little percussive things going around or, or um effects or or like really serious drops i was thinking okay well, what about if you kind of had quite a full sound and you just dropped to like really subby yeah. stuff and then gradually built it up up the walls kind of thing is yeah it? yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's it's amazing it's for, i mean for any any kind of electronic artist using that system you're like you instantly get ideas oh of course
1: <laughs> the, um, it's going to be in the octagon in sheffield right. University, right. if you haven't been there but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's, hot, it's octagonal of course yeah. but we're going to have the stage in the center so the artist will be at the center of the soundscape and our system allows you to witness 3d sound composition from anywhere in the auditorium so you don't have to be there's not a sweet spot per se Um, anyway we'll talk about this offline um the i just think that we need to address between i mean i'm saying humanity needs to address the function of music and sound as and its healing properties yeah yes whilst we look at it as you just mentioned earlier from a kind of global you know macro perspective mm. there are literally things you can do that will potentially heal the body
0: yeah 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 and, I, I mean I've, I've, I've been working a lot with um um i've got uh very good friends at um university college london um uh particularly in the uh, neurology department but we're also talking to the auditory department as well and and just looking at we're also looking at frequency as well because um there's um I mean, there's a lot of kind of pseudoscience uh talked about frequency on the internet about you know this this particular frequency is the um aligns with this chakra or, or you know um middle c 440 isn't as good as 432 and yeah, those, and, all that, and all this stuff and you can go right down rabbit holes but i've kind of gone down that quite a bit and and looked at um looked more at the science and um There's certainly something going on around 40 hertz Um, and um, 40 hertz is like a. it's just it's quite near a low E on a piano. And um, uh, and there's something about that, which which kind of um, it's a very warm and and lovely sound. So it's quite relaxing to have. So I've been using it in in some of the ambient pieces. Um, But um, so I found this guy called um, Dr. Lee Bartell, who's on um, he's on YouTube. There's a great TED talk that he does about about 40 hertz. Um, He studied. He studied. Studying this with, with um, um, Alzheimer's patients and um, lots of different uh, people in hospital, and uh, we're looking at how quickly they uh, got over uh, post-operative treatment. Um, mm-hmm. And it found that forty hertz was was, was helping. Um, certainly, with some Alzheimer's patients that, that that were doing it regularly over a period of of months, um, the Alzheimer's wasn't getting any worse. Which which was uh, you know it wasn't it wasn't getting particularly better, but they were they, they were. You know they could hold conversations and, and it was it wasn't um uh, it wasn't deteriorating and so, so just just that alone is an amazing thing and his his theory is that um that the brain i think it's alpha state of the brain uh is goes in um 40 cycles uh per second so 40 hertz um so when you're firing when your neurons are firing uh right it's at 40 but sometimes with people with uh, dementia or alzheimer's some of their brain is, is firing at 40 and some of them is firing at 15 or something like that and that's where the problems occurs but it says if you actually feed you know um a signal of 40 hertz back in in by the ears or, or via via light signals um then that the, uh, the, there can be some brain entrainment and the brain will kind of recognize that that signal and then kind of correct itself and um it's so his his um it, it's it's ongoing studies but it's seems really interesting and it's like it's the only thing i found where where you can say okay well you know th- if if we can kind of quantify and qualify this we can actually say yeah this is it's not music therapy this is music medicine you know it's, it's no, a, of course, a different a different thing and and i think that's that's it's an early it's very early stages of that but i think it's um it's really exciting i, I mean i think i think people kind of know you know i mean that the the yeah. the, the I mean, people as I say people write when I was doing the music for healing stuff which I'm still doing I still release a track every month and um, I've been doing it for the last few years um but um you know people write in you know I don't really need like to go to have a kind of scientific proof that that, that it's helping them because they're they're telling me it's helping them and um for me that's that's kind of enough as a as a, as a human you know that someone writes and said thanks you know um uh my wife gave birth to uh to your music or something it's just oh. such an amazing thing it, things like that and the people you know helping people over bereavement I mean, for me it's like you know uh, with uh with the grid we top the pops five times but this is like so much more rewarding than that yeah, it's a different thing but it's an amazing it's such yeah. an amazing thing to have kind of uh for me it's just to have purpose for your music it's it's, it's you know after you know I mean, you must find the same thing after so many years to so just to kind of keep focus I mean obviously we love we love it but but it's great to f- actually then think oh well actually this this could serve people this could help people I mean um, obviously yeah. music does aesthetically and and, it, and it is, it, it's people will tell you that I'm it sure
1: emotionally supports people yeah too. yeah yeah and that can be lyrics as well as music I, I have something to share with you which I think mm. you'll find interesting I did a a project <clears throat> with a friend of mine called Alexis Kirk from University of Plymouth right he's a Head of a department down there, and yes. they were doing a they were doing a festival about al- uh, Alzheimer's and dementia, yes. uh, where they were uh, they were asking artists to create pieces that related to uh, yes. uh, uh, those things uh, for an audience of Alzheimer and dementia sufferers and their carers. Yes. So, I would already had a bit of experience, so I created a piece. Uh, called, um, I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, it was based around the idea of memory. Mm -hmm. And uh, based on uh, some previous research that was saying that, you know, Alzheimer sufferers in particular, if they were played music from their youth, it would would reactivate certain areas of their uh, Mm -hmm. cognitive processing. And um, so I thought, well, why don't why don't I create a three dimensional soundscape based on the kind of things that would have been popular around right. when they the ages they were, which was kind of 30s, 40s, 50s kind of music, but actually featuring lyrics that mentioned or referred to memory as well. Right. So it was like a. I think I called it reminiscence, yeah. right? And yeah. so it was this thing where they were being bathed in beautiful sound, yeah. uh, they were being bathed in a kind of familiarity. And of course, the, the main thing is do no harm. You know, yeah. don't shock them at all, yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> and I improvised over the top with a OP one. You know, a teenager engineer. And, oh, cool. yeah. uh, <clears throat> saying. And at the end, it was an hour long, and I immersed them in speciality as well. So um, all very gentle, all beautiful, and all kind of. Tr- uh, memory triggering yeah. right and at the end a whole bunch of uh carers and and sufferers themselves came up to it in tears wow. going, that yeah. that is the most considered and beautiful thing that we've Amazing. heard yeah. you know and, and it really and you know half the time it's about making people feel like they're being thought of like yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's a very—I mean, Alzheimer's. I know. I've, you know, I've got some problems in my family at the moment. After t- they're just terrified. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, they can't. It's, 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 terror. And anybody, and then if they think the outside world is thinking of them and considering them, yeah, that's almost enough. Yeah, frankly.
0: yeah, yeah. And um, and, and, uh, and and a great, and amazing tool to to use because. You know that, that there's something about music in it whether it's it's even even beyond you know say words or language it just it just gets to you you know it gets, it's an instant hit isn't it it just goes yeah. and, and uh, you know you look at the look at brain scans when that's happening it's like it's firing up every different part of the brain you know and it's that's it's right an amazing thing and yeah and, and i think the, you're right saying you know the memory is, is you know there's these great clips you can see on youtube of people you know um uh singing and and doing things that i hadn't done for years become triggered by by music and uh, yes yeah, it's, it's 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 an incredible thing it really is yeah
1: yeah and the, the other thing i wanted to mention is that i've done some work with a uh, an emeritus professor at oxford called paul who who's invented this this genre subgenre called archaeoacoustics right and he goes around the world looking at burial sites for evidence of sound rituals Ooh.
0: Yeah, you're
1: talking. <laughs> no, no. And um, he literally is like you know, kind of it's like some kind of Steven Spielberg film, you know, yeah. <laughs> Itza and all these places, really? and, yeah. and, and discovering various things. But yeah. I haven't got time to go into it now. But the 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 thing he discovered was there was a common theme in the in the Cairns in Ireland mm-hmm. that they when he examined them with his uh, sound equipment he realised that they were all designed internally to predominantly resonate 110 hertz. Mm. Uh, And they're all different shapes and sizes clad with different materials. And he thought, what the fuck is going on here? This is amazing. Because this is Neolithic, kind of, you know, 3,000-year-old stuff. And um, so he decided to do an experiment, uh, kind of a blind experiment with um, various students' In an MRI scanner, and he fed them different frequencies. Not telling them in advance what the you know there was no cognizance of what's going on in advance, and um, fed them about twelve different frequencies to see what effect it would have on the brain. And lo and behold, exactly at one hundred and ten hertz, it switched off half of the prefrontal cortex. Wow! And put you in in a trance. So now he's looking back at that and going, well, obviously you know with the shaman that were around then yeah, yeah. they used to uh hold rituals during um during the uh equinoxes mm. where at a certain time a hole in the ceiling and the sun would illuminate the rooms yeah, yeah. and and they obviously used to take s- psychedelics yeah. mushrooms or whatever and interpret the uh, the messages from their ancestors and i those, st- those sounds are probably
0: um uh there's a guy um Harry Sword has recently done a book about drone and uh he has been to lots of sites as well he was saying he was saying we well, one theory is that they, they could be tuned to um yeah like a kind of male tenor voice mm. so you're getting a oh, or something like that and Stotsy, yeah, yeah exactly and, and and drone is drone is universal I mean you find drone in you know India China um Aboriginal societies everywhere you know but it's, it's something about that that thing of one continual note so I, I reckon it'd be a yeah, big bag of mushrooms and uh, some massive drone and uh, and you'd see see the godhead, I think so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh,
1: well anyway, moving on. <laughs> hey, uh, no, uh, yes, yes yes. Um I haven't stars on my notes yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Health and safety warning to uh, yeah yeah, yeah, no. sorry yeah, so well, yeah. yeah, don't do it, kids. Well
0: actually <laughs> mushrooms are quite um, good. But just uh on uh, on on that, i uh, just one last thing on that. Uh we we're talking about um Chichen Itza in in uh, Peninsula in mexico i mean it's it's an amazing place and as you say the the um it's got these steps where at a certain point of the sun this this uh a snake kind of snakes but um my favorite thing about going there was um the the guy that took us around um clapped at one point and the sound of a kind of hawk came back across the thing that's
1: birds yeah
0: god how did they do that and it's like yeah, and they think, designed it to do that did, did they design it or was it or did they find it later it's all like it was really but it's like that was just incredible just have yeah, you even
1: seen it online there's an early recording of a quetzal bird right compared ah. to that sound and it's oh, exactly wow. the same. oh my god you yeah can, that, you that, can see it on youtube Brilliant. um <laughs> um so let's sorry let's do, <laughs> sorry. Let's do this properly it i on. think yeah. this is more interesting than the traditional <laughs> stuff anyway <laughs> yeah. um as we all know, you know, the grid was really popular mm. and I know um you know, I mean there were you were amongst the most kind of i suppose crossover acts at that time yeah. from the yeah. from the dance scene, and you did really incredibly well, ten hit singles and all that stuff um what do you why do you think you succeeded where maybe a lot of other people would have been more kind of niche? i know um, dave ball right he's got this uh, yeah, it, <laughs> sense of popular yeah. kind of culture yeah. that. i think i think i think it was certainly
0: obviously dave's uh dave's background and tastes and influences and mine kind of came together i think we both kind of like um we kind of bonded over like uh throbbing crystal and suicide and and you know electronic music of all sorts of but mm-hmm. also but like, we also really like high energy you know and so there's yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of that kind of pop element with it as well it for me it's never really been i think for most people you know it's, you don't kind of you know you, you like what you like you know and, and, and we, we kind of we, so we, i think we brought those strands together and, and um i think also the timing when we, we were coming out of you know the first record we made together was um this record with um genesis peorage from robin gristle psychic tv called jack the tab and it was it was an idea of um i've been speaking to i've been to interview genesis it was quite a scary character <laughs> and uh, yeah. and uh, I remember once he uh, went around to his house and he he said, "Oh, come and stay the night, but you've got to stay in the room with the snake. There's a massive oh, like, python in the room. And I'm sure it was some kind of initiation test or something." <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so so me and Jen just decided to make this record. Which uh, um, and Jen said, um, "You know, if you heard about Acid House and uh, and I hadn't and 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 I hadn't heard any and and he hadn't heard any either, but we'd heard the word. And it's just like, well." acid house sounds amazing you know psychedelic dance music this, this that could be great so so right let's go and make a record next weekend and we just went in with like 15 people some from this label bam cruiser which was a psychedelic label reissue label that i was working for and some of jen's mates including dave ball who, and that, that's where i met him for the first time and and we made this record in two days and uh jen had this uh, uh rule that every track had to be made and mixed in an hour so we did this thing. the rules are good aren't they yeah it was good so we like throw all hands on deck was about 12 people in the studio and some kids and dogs and things going on and we made this record and it's it was great because i think it's about when you've got a, when you've got to make a record for an hour um you can only use your first ideas and your first yeah. idea normally best so so it's, yeah. so we've ended up with this album brimming with amazing first ideas but also a bit kind of scrappy as well. And it was, it's, it's a really strange, sound. It, doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like anything else, even, even today. And uh, so we put this out, I put it out in, on my label out in my own front room in, in St. Albans where I lived. And uh, we sold loads and it, you know, got, got on the cover of the NME. And it was like, you know, one of the first unsigned people to get on the cover of the NME with it. And um, then we got signed as, as, as the grid, um, and Dave and that, but that was going to be me and Genesis Peorage, But then it turned to um, Jen. Kind of didn't like the idea of being on a big label. He'd been on one before and didn't really work. And um, so it ended up being me and Dave. And um, and yeah. So I mean, to answer, answer your question, I think I think it's probably just our very um, our very broad uh, outlook of influ- and influences and kind of coming from. We kind of came from sort of art school, really, an art school sensibility. Yeah rather than like a generic dance sensibility. We weren't, I mean, you know, we like soul, but we weren't, I mean, obviously Dave is a massive Northern Soul band still is, um, but, it, but, you know, we weren't particularly soul, you know, soul boys that just love soul. We, we also like craft. We also like- Same these, with me. You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's, a it's, it's a, it's a thing. And I, I think that's why, and I'm sure it's say, say why why you guys were successful as well. Cause it's, it's just kind yeah. of bringing, bringing dance soul sensibilities, but coming from art school, I think, you know, I've been, um, I just recently been, uh, uh, comp- uh do some sleeve notes for a, a, like a a box set of like a 100 uh, I think it's like 6 LP box set of 100 of the best sort of mid 60s psychedelic records. Um, oh
1: my god it's my which, favorite period. Yeah, which we, we, so we which we, well, we were,
0: psychedelic soul I really like it. Like, yeah, yeah 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 Norman Whitfield etc. Yeah. But um so yeah so this and we, we when we were at Bam Cruise so they named it um Freakbeat which was saying it's the kind of the music where kind of mod went a bit weird and stuff so 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 there's this so I've done this seven thousand word essay about why you know what happened you know what how come because obviously mods and hippies as 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 as, uh, you know subcultures didn't particularly get on and and i've i've got lots of great stories from people about um you know meetings between mods and hippies and and uh and, and and some of the people that went uh i've interviewed some of the people that went from from mod to hippie including like jeff dexter's great um dj and uh zoop money i talked to as well and who went from you know kind of show band r&b to to uh, uh, completely psychedelic and um uh, and, and i was trying to think well what is it what's the bit that sort of changed it all and, and, I, and i really think it's art school i think i think the the um you know you look at pretty much every 60s band and, and a lot of the bands from your generation and our generation and beyond um you know there was something about you know art schools were free you know the, uh, yeah. there wasn't there wasn't a class maintenance should... grants can you imagine that yeah <laughs> no, it was amazing. and also you see, you're in the you're in the in the in the CAF and you're talking to a, a graphic designer and a, and a fine yeah. artist and a sculptor yeah. and an architect and, a, and this and and everyone's working and listening to music so for me that was a um uh, that that was the real kind of what oh, I thought you know that it, it's been such a driver and it's 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 absolutely you know I find it really sad that that um that, that there weren't there aren't grants and it's not supported in, in the oh, which, totally. which is a it's a political act and it's the reason for not supporting the arts is, is obviously a political act and it's it's such a shame because for me you know that's what being english and british is is, is has been best it's our ideas and our uh kind of you know fusion of
1: lots of different influences and, and it's not uh, just a esoteric thing is it i mean it's no, an actual
0: economic yeah. driver as Absolutely.
1: well yeah you know unless we forget we yeah. one of our strong suits has been creativity. <laughs> Yeah. Economically, yeah. and the, okay, the the I'm sorry, <laughs> triggered me now. No, we will, we'll go. Politics, off on that one. but <laughs> I mean, the, the Tories in particular seem intent on destroying independent thought.
0: If, they, if they're like you know they're not only destroying independence, they're trying to like shut down the opera. I mean, it's quite it's it's across the board. which <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very. They bizarre. don't want anybody
1: thinking outside the box. Right?
0: But but that's but I mean but I think there are you know there's 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 different histories of. of of the uk you know and and one of them is you know there's obviously there's the history of of wars and and who who won and power but there's the history of ideas and in terms of the history of ideas you know we're one of the richest places and and, and it's it's i find it's so you know it's so disheartening when that's being being attacked and also when when the idea of of uh of where we live is is taken over by the ultra right, right wing as well because oh, they, they, they don't they represent do. me or anyone i know you know so so it's um, so yes, yeah, so I think the only thing we can do is keep
1: keep creating. Really, <laughs> what we need is a is not a, 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 a political party that is focused on on uh, creativity yeah. in particular. I believe <laughs> that, and you can forget your your uh, identifiers of left right woke centrist it, it it's all irrelevant to me it's yeah. about humanism and and right. kindness and sharing creativity eclecticism all those things anyway Martin for president <laughs> Richard, Richard for president etc um I just want to go uh, ask you a bit about your journalism career yeah because yeah. you're obviously a very erudite chap. Yeah. Yeah. um and uh, tell me what what your relationship is with uh journalism um well i started when i was when i was a kid i mean i kind of came into music generally
0: through uh punk was the thing that did it for me it was just you know that 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 the fact that you could go out and press up a record and for like you know a few hundred quid and you know my, my first record i made when i was 13 it's by the innocent vickers it was like kind of buzz coxie um undertones type punk record and took you know saved some money borrowed a bit from your dad and we went up to the rough trade and and gave them the records and they they paid for it out the till jeff travis kind of took some money out the till gave us the money and then we went really? to see john John Peel this is about 1979 i think probably 1980 and uh and he played it the next night and i was like wow 14 you know 13 14 i think wow and um so for me that was amazing but uh, so so it was that there was an opportunity about that time of like you yeah. know just post-punk time and being a kid and so the first bit i got into we got starting doing a bad book the first thing was um was writing a fanzine so i wrote this fanzine called 99 you know photocopied it sold it for 20p to me mates did like 100 copies or whatever but um but the amazing thing was we could we could kind of talk to you know we would just cheeky kids you know
1: DIY ethos isn't it we
0: do the yeah. same yeah. and I'm really enthusiastic I was really shy as well though. It was kind of like I was sort of forcing myself to do this thing but we try we like write to the clash you know and say will you do something and they would you know and it's like and it was like it was amazing it was, it was something we were the kids you <laughs> know it was like yeah. something about that well the we kids up, were
1: enabled weren't they at, yeah, the, at yeah. that moment in yeah. time and that's a, it, a, yeah so lucky and a new constituency yeah and it's so lucky to be you know three years before we would have
0: got shown the door at emi or whatever you know it just wouldn't be able <laughs> to do it and uh you know it wasn't until you know security politic and desperate bicycles and the first people's you know putting out seven inch singles and even on the desperate desperate bicycle single it had like all the details of how to write how to do it you know what this is where you get it pressed this is what you do and then, yeah that network that emerged out of rough trade and fast and you know all these other people around the country um was amazing so, so yeah so i started um with that you know we interviewed the clash and the damned and started writing that and it was purely you know just to because we were excited about it really and then um and um, i started working for this this psychedelic label um, bam caruso um, which kind of came out of our local diy scene and um uh and we started reissuing stuff we'd put out like the left bank and the seeds soundtrack for the prisoner and we did these uh compilations called rubble which were like um all kind of uk one-off singles where there'd be these bands like wimple winch or something which would have, like this incredible two or three tracks but then disappear completely but so we'd reassure these these tracks a bit like lenny Kay's um nuggets really was 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 the, was the was the kind of first one to that we really looked up to and um so we started putting out those And then then we um then we uh we put out a magazine called um called strange things are happening and um we did a few issues of that and that was really um it did really well we were kind of up to like ten thousand copies on it uh, per issue um with the help from john brown the guy that did uh viz he was really helpful for us oh, guys really? and um and it did really well, and it was kind of it's it sort of you know you'd have something on you know the man from Uncle next to something on Alan Moore next to um you know history of you know Bleak Street folk music uh, and then some you know interview with Wire or something and it's just all these things together and it was kind of kind of precursor to Mojo and Uncut really just that kind of very sort of fan based idea of anything that was cult and interesting and um so we did that for quite you know and I interviewed loads of people for that um, uh, including one of them was was. This is and psychic tv which kind of started me uh working with him and uh, and the jack the tab records so so kind of and then from that i kind of i was taking the magazine up to um up to the music papers so the enemy and and melody maker and and sounds and and i was um just trying to get some interest in the ban records and and our, and our magazine so i'd go up there quite a lot but being i don't know you know probably 20 21 something i'm still really shy i found it really quite massively intimidating to go into the NME office at, at the time. You'd have like Stephen Wells there shouting and James Brown putting the phone down on the people. And it was quite scary. And I'd had a few I had a few sort of friends there, Helen Mead and Jack Barrow my, my mates, I could go and speak to them. And this was this was sort of about 1987, middle of 1987. And so uh, so Acid House was just about to hit and we'd we'd made the record. In fact we made the Jack Tab album before we'd even been to any of the clubs because they kind of weren't there. Like Shun was about to start and all was starting um uh future and um spectrum and uh and nikki holloway was doing his thing so it was just just about to kick off and um so i was going to the NME pretty much every week so you've got to cover this this is like this is that uh, this is our punk rock you must you must cover this and it took them probably nine months i think to do it i think the first full coverage of it was was um july 88 um which uh, which um and i've badged them so much that uh they put me on the cover in fact, ah. and and gave me a column to write about acid house every every other week so uh, you know, like, i'm sure james brown will completely disagree and say no 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 we had it covered before and they there were things i mean there were certain people stuart mcconey was writing about techno and paolo hewitt was doing quite a lot of stuff and roger morton and there were people involved um hella media was a live editor as well but it, it did take a while for them to to kind of uh cotton on to um to the, the the dance thing you know
1: longer than you would have thought really so you out. you did the uh the auto the sorry the biography of paul oakenfeld right
0: indeed he was on your show recently. he was yeah. what a lovely
1: chap indeed yeah, yeah, yeah i mean our paths have kind of crossed right before yeah. because um our manager used to manage him for a short period of time right. Right. but i never actually met him so yeah. it was a real joy to, yeah. to spend time with him uh yeah. tell us about paul what what's your view on him then i mean uh, yeah, well, it's it's interesting because you know coming
0: for people from the kind of that that saw his trajectory from the kind of superstar dj era it can look a bit kind of glitzy and and uh, and hands in the air and 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 vip and all that but i mean i kind of knew him from you know he started um very early on in in hip-hop he was he was promoing um rum dmc and um and champion records and and very very early on he was doing all kinds of interesting things he, you know he uh he, you know uh will smith he was one of the first you know uh um fresh prince records jdj put out early on but he was always very very on it very uh, as yeah a case, you know and um and, and certainly it was that was the case with the early house stuff um and it was always i mean the thing that I always think about about Paul is that he's he's um, a massive, massive music enthusiast, and that that comes before anything else. And he'll and and not only that, he's he's just a real doer, you know. And it's, it's like I, I don't know, I know anyone that can kind of take those ideas, all those those like late night ideas. You think, well, wouldn't it be great if we could do this and if we do that, and actually put really put them into practice? And he's he's incredible
1: at that. It's very interesting. Now uh, started to build up quite a <clears throat> repository of people who were very popular in that period, and right. Uh, right. in fact, coming out uh, on Friday is James Lavelle. right, right. Uh, Mo Wax, you know, and, right. and um, you know, you, you, at the time, it, it, it all just seems to be there's this big club of DJs, right? Everybody knows each other, and blah blah blah, and you just get a bit resentful about it. You think oh, I'm not part of that club, you know? Okay. But now I'm looking back, I'm going. That was that period's version of what we were going through. What I was going through, anyway, with punk, post-punk. Yeah, totally. Punk. Yeah, yeah. So and I, I've yeah, got a yeah. lot more respect for it yeah. now, having dug a bit deeper into it. Yeah. Than, than well, I, also,
0: I mean, people like James. I mean, I knew James well because he was he was based in in uh, in West London where I was as well, and you know, he, <coughs> he played at my birthday party very early on in Mo Wax and stuff. And and but he, yeah, he was like in. Um, working in Honest John's record shop on Portobello when he was probably like, I don't know, 16, 17. He was like just this really young kid, you know, and, and, um, and, and it, it, you know, his, the Moak's trajectory, is, he's probably, you know, it was, it was sort of between the age of 17 and, you know, mid 20s. Really, yeah. really, really young. So, I mean, yeah, again, he did some amazing, amazing things. And, and um when that, that, um just thinking about West London at the time, and we were, we were, um, I was living on Goldbourne road at the top end of portobello and um so we had in Kensal Road around the corner there was um uh you know the big virgin building and then yeah. we had, um uh, our publishers was there our, um, uh, our pr people were there the club promo people were there the designer people were there all those big buildings along Kensal road and we worked in east coast studios a lot which is probably my favorite studio um so it's like literally within a few minutes there was there was all this stuff and at the same time there's probably about i don't know 50 labels you know that all were doing interesting stuff so if you go and go to the pub on the corner of um of goldborne road under trellick tower on the front friday yeah. night you'd, you know you would see people from all, all of you know these all, all of the big big indie indie labels um from dance you know i'd go in there and on a friday night and come out with two remixes you know <laughs> so wow it was, it was great it was, it was,
1: you know, amazing, amazing great scene question. really so it's yeah. all i mean it's, it's it's a bit of a cliche but a lot and the most powerful connections are the physical human connections. Yeah, Totally, we have lost a lot of that with the zoom world and look at us yeah around. but
0: yeah we have lost it but then also we wouldn't be able to do this either so no it's, that's, true. It's, that's it's, true and internationally and, and all
1: the rest of it okay tell us about your mooc collaboration yeah,
0: well, we we um, obviously big fan. I'm sitting here with my lovely uh, mini Moog. I'm, uh, that I'm ah. sure my my American uh, friends would say it's meant to be Moog. It runs with Vogue. <laughs> you <know>? oh, <laughs> but we're like, we're, I, yeah, I, I, it's very hard, isn't it, for, for yeah. us to, yeah. to, to to stop calling it Moog. But um, but uh, yeah, so um, we were um, uh, we were friends with Paul Smith, who ran Blast first uh, label. He was you know managed Sonic Youth and put out bottle surfers and all kinds of people. And uh and he 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 amazingly managed to persuade the company to to give him like an enormous amount of equipment and um uh including this um, system fifty five this like the biggest kind of moog modular that looks wow. like a kind of telephone exchange like an incredible old, old bit of kit and and just tons and tons of kit and put it in um uh in Guildford in the University of Surrey um where um they've got incredible facilities there. They they run this uh, course called the, the Tom Meister course, which is like really great. Um I know Tom Meister, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's and they've got, you know, yeah this this as well equipped as like Abbey Road, basically. It's an amazing yeah. spaces. And uh and they uh the, the people there were, were like really, really friendly and really up for it. And so they just put um put all this gear that Paul had got into into a room. Um got this great uh engineer and uh, a musician called Finley Shakespeare, um who was like, "Oh uh, no,
1: Finley, yeah."
0: So, yeah. So Fin so yeah, so came and and was sort of organized it, which uh, which for us was incredible because even though you know you think that me and Dave Ball between us would have enough experience of electronic music, but could we get a note out of the System Fifty Five on our own? No, we we needed we needed the assistance of of, of Finn who is amazing uh, and a great you know you've got he makes modular um, modules. I'm going to get
1: him on the podcast. Actually, he
0: should, he's good and um yeah yeah you should and uh uh so we kind of uh we went in and we were the first people it was it was this kind of um moog um library project basically the, the idea was to bring in lots of people to to create this to create these these albums and we were the first in and uh and the gear was kind of arriving around us for the first time. Wow. so it was setting up all this stuff and there was things like you know just boxes and boxes and boxes of mooga food which i've still got a view here yeah, yeah, these, these and um, uh, and it, yeah, it was just it was it was an incredible experience. Just mainly just working on this beast of a machine, this enormous kind of black thing with loads of knobs everywhere, and you know, and the same. We needed our fantastic technical assistance to work out what to do, but it would um, it was there was just certain bits of it. There was a corner of it um, which is just a, it was just a filter bank. It's just called this fixed filter bank and uh, you could put like sequences through it and you, you just tune the frequencies and all these overtones would come in and it would be uh-huh. like, the sound of angels you know just yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah there's something about um that old 70s kit was um it just felt it didn't really feel like it felt very organic it didn't, it didn't feel yeah. like you know man versus machine it, it felt yeah. like we were sort of doing this thing together where you know like <clears> changes of uh you know, you'll know this from uh trying to get these things in tune, but if there's changes of temperature in the room that yeah, these yeah. differently. And after a few days, this machine seemed to be like talking to us basically. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we wouldn't do anything and it, it's just like this babbling kind of alien life form in the background. It's or the spirit of uh of of Bob Moe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny.
1: Yeah. I recently um uh, I reconnected with Mark White from ABC oh, yeah. uh, as uh, an old friend. And uh, he's just bought a Roland System 100, which is my right. favourite since I've got one in my studio. And he said, would you come round and, you know, show us the ropes? And I'm going, yeah, I mean, of course I will. I'll, I'll, I'll do anything. But it's not like what he used to. He's used to, like, the ease of use of virtual <laughs> sense. Yeah. And music. I'm going, it's, it's, a slightly di- it's a different beast entirely. So... I spent two or three hours and he, at the start he got his phone out. And said, I'm going to video. So I'm gonna video this. I said, you're gonna get very sore arms because it's <laughs> gonna take, take a while to actually get something sensible out of this. Yeah. And and what um, the big takeaway from it after a couple of hours, what and I'm sure it's the same with the Moog experience, is it encourages improvisation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, and and you don't have uh, well, this is it's true for me, I don't know if so you, but I, when, I, when I approach that machine, it's like it taps into whatever mood you've got yeah. on yeah. the day, yeah. and I don't have an end point in mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like there are so many beautiful, radical possibilities, yeah. Yeah. and this idea about uh, no illegal connections, which they used <laughs> to say in the manual. <laughs> so you can plug anything into anything, right, and you couldn't do any damage, at least. Yeah. It might not make a noise, yeah. Yeah. but... And at the end of it, he was completely bamboozled. He said, (laughs) My God, I've learned a new way of creation. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's not really about uh, technically selecting, you know, it's not like multiple choice, which is what we're given with a lot of virtual sense now. I
0: think I think the other it, it just it completely grounds you in the now because yes you can't you can't go oh well, that's quite a good sign I'll, I'll come back to that because you never get it no. so you've got to like uh, we learned very early on to like be recording at all times <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you'll, absolutely you'll try and get it back and you never will and and that yeah that absolute on the fly thing is, is fantastic for um, for improvisation well that's kind of why I love electronic music the fact that you can you know I, I'm not a you know a great pianist or guitarist or whatever I'm, it, m- m- I'm definitely more of a ideas and <laughs> Production kind of person, but but using and abusing the equipment and getting it to do things it wasn't meant to do, and and uh, and just you know using the mistakes or t- turning the mistakes into other things. It just really you know that's what I love, and it's it's probably you know it's probably nearer to, to jazz than it is to to uh, exactly. to, uh it's nearer else.
1: to the kind of theories of uh Eno you know, really was yeah, my absolute inspiration. You know that kind of you know love the randomness, yeah. I we love it as a necessary ingredient.
0: Yeah, I mean, with with uh, it's interesting with Eno works where you know, as you say, it's, he's 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 got absolute theories for it. Like then you listen to the tracks, and they're like beautiful. They're really human. So he's managed yeah. incredible way of of you know using the theory, um, you know, in such a way that it just creates these kind of clusters of of beauty. And um, and I, and I kind of like. I, I mean, I, he's he's probably my you know most formative influence in terms of ideas and 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 the music i love and his singing I'm, I'm a big big fan um but I, I i do find his later more ai stuff doesn't quite have that same thing yeah. because, you know because because you, you 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 can hear the human element uh, as well as the brain it, it, you know you can hear the heart and the brain and the and the, the things more in the in the early ones but you know when but you but having said that you can also hear that in his stuff that he does that he sings on and and and, and you can hear the humanity there but but i do, I do find some of the uh, i've got a lovely box set over over in the corner there of uh of his ai experiments and, it, and it's all right but it does you know it's for
1: me it's yeah, not i'm it's less enamoured of that, uh, yeah. of that uh, yeah. uh i love his early yeah, his early yeah. solo yeah. album I think yeah, it's it's lovely, yeah as well you know and um yeah i mean yeah it was it was
0: big yeah. i mean for me and dave both both of us yeah big fan okay so the
1: smash hits question Go on then. Right. End of things you're familiar with the format I'm sure um what's your favorite film um The Shining
0: I reckon probably just because um, I just just mainly because of when I was seeing it I it's uh I was going out with a girl who um we lived in St. Albans so we were quite near sort of um Kubrick land because you know Austria Studios and he lived in harpington just up the road and I was going at this girl and we watched watching the shining a little don't did I know that her dad was who was also there who's was quite a imposing figure and he was uh big mates for Stanley cubic so really? I got, got this amazing background in about he was this he's one of the best um uh assistant directors that's around he did, did lots of Star Wars stuff he, he was part of the prisoner his he name he's called David Tomlin and right. uh and uh, he was and he was yeah a very imposing and they had actually had sort of various i can't i can't quite remember because it's a very long time ago i think you know, they either had a, an axe or a, or a, a spade that was from the from really? the in the room as we were watching the video right. you know so, so the the uh the yeah, the added pressure of having ne- not been around to this girlfriend's house before and her dad being <laughs> pubic, like and and the just the sheer amazing psychedelic um horror of the film you know so that was that that kind of
1: imprinted on me have you seen that uh documentary about about it yeah yeah Uh, yeah. there was a kind of conspiracy theory stuff i I like all that stuff anyway uh favorite book
0: um oh a lot really um the 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 favorite i'd have to give you a massive library but the the fave the last favorite book i read was by um zoe gilbert which is called Mischief acts, and she writes about kind of strange folk and myth of the country and uh, and of, of the countryside. Is that,
1: is that UK? UK, yeah.
0: And uh, so this one's based. It's a lot of it's around and the Hunter, who's a kind of uh, uh, who as character that appears throughout history. Kind of based on Pan, and and uh, he's he, he, he comes around cri- Christmas time as well. So uh, so he's he's it's a very seasonal thing. He's kind of uh, he's kind of got is uh, a um, kind of human form but with with antlers so he's he's kind of the green oh he's,
1: that's
0: very he's, uh he's, pagan, he's, yes yeah so that so that's so I'm, I'm big on big on kind of uh pagan and and green things so, so that that I, I love that book and she's written an early one called folk which was really good so but i think i don't i think there's lots of but there's useful but I, like um there's a book called the war of art by stephen pressburg which i find the most useful book which is um he's writing about uh how to kind of stop creative blocks or get creative creativity flowing and it's um it's a very short book but every time I read it there's a I get something out of it it's really really it really got me kind of um he talks talks a lot about resistance he talks about you know what's that thing when you're three quarters of the way through the record or the project or the writing or whatever and you go oh no it's rubbish you know it's and it's sort of you know it's either resistance either from yourself or from other people and mm. all this is really good about just going well you know all you need to do is just Keep doing it and get you know get a ha- get a habit, uh, get you know get a pra- habit and turn it into a ritual, and then turn it into a practice, and 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 then just keep going. And I think um, it's a really useful one for any anyone creative. I think it's. I um, think
1: you're absolutely uh, well, right. I'm always telling people who will listen to me, <laughs> uh, students and stuff, yeah. just do the fucking thing. Stop yeah, yeah, So yeah. I, th- I think I think you can you can also go too
0: far I mean, I mean for me like having my own studio i'm just here every second I, I think sometimes you
1: do need it's quite nice to just not do it for a bit well. yeah, but it's all right <laughs> well it's all right to say let it pour out from your subconscious yeah bit, with yeah. the with the right attitude and the right kind of uh, uh um you know care and attention yeah. uh, let it come from an authentic place yeah. maybe let it rest like dough. And <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah 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 and, and then come yeah. back to it yeah the is
0: important definitely isn't it
1: yeah, yeah, it's true. yeah. <laughs> um okay favorite tv show past present box set Ooh,
0: uh uh curb your enthusiasm would be oh
1: yeah oh, fucking! i watched them all several times <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Every yeah. time I think, oh, this is a bit too cheesy, you just pull something out of the bag <laughs> and shocks you, which is yeah. just genius. Yeah,
0: it's um, quirky, yeah. I li- lately, lately, I like the bear recently. That was good. That was really good. Um, really?
1: I've that's just discovered one, actually, which I've not mentioned before, but right. literally days ago called Resident Alien. Have you? Oh, right. Yeah. Have I've you seen, seen that? that? Not, 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 I've seen, seen it. I would strongly recommend it. It's about an alien who lands on Earth in the middle of nowhere in Colorado or something. Uh, a bit like Man Who Fell to Earth, you know, where he, he, right. he's patient, oh, nice. yeah. and uh, and then he's got to find a way to, and all the bits have fallen into a lake, and mm-hmm. he turns into like human form, and he's got to learn how to be a human. Okay. So it's actually yeah. semi-dark comedic, yeah. but it's got a lot of serious philosophical implications yeah. as well. It's really good, actually. Um, anyway, uh, favorite other artist or composer. I you're a very melodic man. Do you like classical music at all? I do, I do. I, I kind of, I'm sort of, you know, I don't, I don't
0: really know enough about it. I mean, I, my classical music comes from film, really. I kind of find films and realise <laughs> from that I like Mendelssohn or something. So it's, it's kind yeah, of, yeah. I don't really know. And I've right. got this thing about sort of, there's a there's a certain type of, of etude that, that I kind of, I know it's French and I know I love it, but I don't really know what they are. But I mean, I, I think, yeah, the kind of, like yeah. Debussy or something or yeah. exactly yeah i just it's, it's not it's not something i'm very studied on but i do find uh streaming services help quite a lot with that but i mean yeah i mean it's something certainly that the uh, the uh the the music that's um you know coming that you would recognize with ambient like sartén and things like that yeah, um, but um but yeah so it's probably you know would be my favorite musician and for many, yeah for many reasons but but you know also just for his interviews you know just like you know you could tell that someone that's gone to they goes he goes to his interviews very prepared i think and he's, he's yeah, got yeah. a point of view he wants to get across no matter yeah. what the question is asked, yeah, yeah. But, but but you know I, I i love you know so many of the the ideas about you know using using the, the studio as an instrument and you know even recently i mean you've know, been talking about um you know, re-enchantment with, with nature, and, and which, which a lot of people are talking about at the moment, but I noticed him say that lately. I thought, oh, right, okay. Yeah, and it's, it's, he's always, he's a good barometer, I find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: favourite, I mean, do you like visual art? Are you a fan? Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. What's um, your favourite visual artist? Probably. Or conceptual artist?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sort of a, a, a big fan, a big big Warhol fan, but, but I, I do like, I lo- love abstracts. Um, Hilmar Alpha big, big, big on that. I love that. That sort of anything that's got a sort of slightly uh spiritual or psychedelic effect. I quite like um, Right, right, right. Anything that's yeah, I, I like kind of I like responding to to see, seeing art uh in the flesh and, res- and having it res- you know, feeling the kind of resonance of it. There's certain rooms yes. so at the uh oh god, um uh, my COVID brain won't won't tell me the answer. But what's the big room in the Tate with um those big pieces. Oh, uh, um,
1: uh, the ones. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, like that, big
0: colour fields. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, which he's got, he's got a, he's uh, got a, yeah, the German dude, isn't it? Everyone's shouting at us now, going, no, it's, <laughs> but it, yeah, he's okay, got but a, you know, was, was a display. Anyway, those, that's that sort of yeah. things that like, those, those pictures are almost like humming to me. And you can sort of, there's yeah. sort of, this, so I love stuff like that. So it's, I also love our and, you and know, anything that's got a, Apart, it's almost—it's yeah. almost a—you almost know—it's almost a kind of physical response in a
1: way. Yeah, yeah. I think that's partly because I believe we're all kind of synesthetic. We're all kind of yeah on yeah. that on the spectrum as well in, yeah. in some respects. And I think we shouldn't be—I don't think we should be surprised when the uh, yeah. visual art makes us feel in the same way as music does, or yeah. vice versa. So completely. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, unfulfilled ambition. Apart from.
0: Performing yeah. with you in Sheffield, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think, um, it's probably it's, it's probably a perfor- it probably is performance, ones, isn't it? I, mean, I was really lucky this year. I, I did a tour with Ulrich Snaus and we got to play some amazing places. I mean, recently I played World Festival Hall and Queen Elizabeth Hall and um, right. Stoller Hall in Manchester. Um, what's the yeah, god, uh, what's the big one in uh, in um, Gateshead in, in Newcastle? Oh, Sage, yes, but Sage and, and uh, so that that was amazing and it was there's something about playing those places that, that was great so so I think my I would be wanting to play on bigger stages like that. I'd love to play at the Royal Albert Hall or something yeah I, I, I kind of like electronic shows in those buildings i remember seeing like craft there and it was it was great it kind of works really well you yeah. Know? So, yeah and yeah. Um, particularly that place the Stoller Hall in Manchester which is just incredible people coming out saying was that a 3D sound performance I was like no it's just right it was, but they've done some stuff they put like these tiny speakers on the stage which were kind of transistory ones and you could just get the top end. So it had this very almost oh, a 3D thing. And uh, but yeah, so uh, I think the unfulfilled ambitions are more nicer and bigger halls.
1: Yeah, <laughs> why not? Um an epiphanal moment in your
0: life? Um punk rock easily. That that, that was the one that, that that just just that ability of, of to and go. it was the
1: one day, one record, one um I think going um, being with my
0: mum in um, Marks and Spencer's in St. Auburn's St. Peter Street, and uh, her talking to the woman on the till at Marks and Spencer's, and she said, oh, you, I see you've bought a record there, dear. Um, what is it? And I pulled it out of the bag, the local record shop called Cloud7, pulled it out of the bag, and it was a Sex Pistol single. Yes. Yeah. The woman yeah. on the on the till was absolutely petrified and horrible ah. and, and i was like yeah this is going on <laughs> <laughs> sex in
1: it. And, it, and "sex pistol" <laughs> sounds like penis yeah exactly you know, yeah it's that <laughs> something you know kind of that, that thing
0: so it's, and and the, yeah just the power of that was uh was uh was in full effect in on in uh in marks and
1: spencers on fantastic uh, yeah. on um, what's, <laughs> what's your favorite production that you've ever done or really? um, probably uh
0: a remix of, of a band called uh midlake it's called roscoe um, and it's, um, yeah, it just, it's there's something about making that record. It was, I, I, a lot of the, I mean, I've done hundreds of remixes and for me, the, the, I'm kind of, I'm not one of those people that, um, it rips it all up and then uses like one element. I, I like to kind of use what's there, but then sort of turn the spotlight a little bit and have a different, you know, kind of really support it and not, not to sort of, you know, change it in yes. this extreme way. Um, and with that it was so so what I think the remix is the best for me are the ones where the songs are already great. So it was the hardest thing about doing the mid late one is incredible vocal harmony harmonies on it. I was sitting under my room in our old house in Lewis beneath beneath the castle and um, and it was the hardest bit, but it was not just sitting there and listening to these beautiful, artists. <laughs> right? So like, this is incredible. And, uh, so, so we already had it there, but I I'm really, really proud. It was, that was, uh, by me and Errol Alcan when we, we were doing a, our project uh, beyond the wizard sleeve. And, and, uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's great because you know, the, it, it the band and, and, and uh, that their, their, their audience have really taken that one on board as, as being, you know, it's all, I mean, it's kind of up there with the with the original, which is that was yeah, a, really, a, a good thing. But I mean, I would say we've done, you know, me and Dave yeah. did hundreds and, and, and I, I continue to do, mixes continue all the time. So um, I, I love doing remixes. I, I, I just like, it's just nice having someone else's creativity to work with, you know, it's good. Yeah, stuff.
1: yeah, yeah. So um, is there an artist that you haven't worked with yet that you really, really want to work with? Or, yeah, yeah uh, lately lately
0: robin guthrie i really want it for some reason i've uh been thinking a lot about kind of cinematic music and and sort of ambient space and landscape and i really want to work with robin guthrie i've got i've got a new project that that would fit really well with with him so i'm going to try and reach out to him but we're also doing a new grid album at the moment and, Great. We, we were, and we're talking to, uh, we've done we've just talked to various guests and we, um, andy bell from a has on the first track and right. And we're in fact, I put a thing on Twitter out yesterday saying, "Who would you like to to uh, to work with the grid?" So so we're uh, uh, so there's been lots of uh, lots of people saying incredible things, and uh, like you know Grace Jones or something. You they just they just wonder, you know, it would be amazing. But, but yeah. you just are you, are you ever going to get to do that? So Absolutely. so yeah, there's 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 there's, there's lots really. Um, David Sylvian, would you like to work with? I mean, he's. he's I've, I've
1: asked David to do the yeah. podcast. And right. he's such a right. lovely man. Yeah, he, I just think he's not in the right frame of mind. Right. But, right, You know, he's. I know he's doing some uh, collaborations, so maybe. Yeah. Right. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes. I love I love his voice and his creativity. Um, and finally, oh, sorry, there's one more uh, before that. What penultimate? Uh, if you had a, if you'd not fallen into music uh what would you think your alternate career might have been uh i'd probably
0: be a writer i, I went to um um I, I didn't actually go to art school we taught art school before i didn't go but i did up a level but went to liverpool university to do um english literature uh literature, literature language and, and film studies i did so um i was kind of would have thought i'd probably end up end up writing okay. and um, and i'm still i'm following your path and i'm writing my Memoir at the moment for for White Rabbit, that which is coming out, um, I think, early 2024. And so, uh, hey. so I'm still, still I have not ri- written for years and just recently been doing it. And it's quite fun, isn't it?
1: <laughs> I'd never done it before. So I mean, you have a journalistic uh, background, but I, for me, it was like, can you just write... 90 000 words i'm going well, i've never written more than three thousand in my life <laughs> yeah, yeah. but uh, it kept me occupied during covid together yeah. podcasts so i bit.
0: found it quite grounding did you find
1: that i, <laughs> I said, there are several unexpected effects for me one is i actually enjoyed doing it yeah. which i wasn't expecting i enjoyed the organizational bit of organizing your past thoughts because i'm I'm just one of those doers i just do stuff, so move on yeah. um but then when it came out I felt really odd because you know you do all these promotional things I felt a, a, a really unexpected thing I felt a little bit a vestige of being violated <laughs> it's my life <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know yeah. out yeah. there in as honest yeah. a way as I could put it yeah and now everybody knows my business yeah 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 you know it's just I, I, yeah. it goes against the <laughs> grain with the <laughs> northern kind yeah. of yeah, no, I'm
0: going through that at the moment. How much you put in, how much you don't put in, what you know, and and what what what, uh, how much of it is if it if it creates a great story, do you leave that in? that's, that's it's all.
1: Uh, it's very tricky. That isn't it? it really is. And I had a big, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, when I finished the 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 thing, you had like the lawyers come and say, oh yeah, big, you know, notes like you know, three pages of notes going. Clearly, this is defamatory. You just changed the name here. (laughs) And I'm going, oh, I had no idea. I'm just being honest. (laughs) Anyway, so, um, yeah, so you've got all that to come. Um, And finally, what's your favourite synth? Oh, I think probably
0: this lovely uh, mini-moog sitting here. um, Because of its simplicity, its warmth. um, You know, it appears like you can't use a monosynth, so you're not getting, you know, all the uh, whistles and bells, and it appears you can't do much, but uh, I like the fact you can you can do a lot with it and, yeah yeah and, uh,
1: yeah it's, it's I um I, I, I must admit I think mini moog i'm I'm currently going through I'm thinking about doing a book about what I've learned from the podcast sure. Sure. and as part of that is, you know, people's responses to the questions yeah i think mini move might be close to the top of the list like, of the most popular ones yeah yeah I, I mean i'm still a massive
0: roland fan i mean coming coming through know, house music and, and stuff like that so i've still got me uh you know 106 here and you know 60 and you know doors and space echoes and all that have you got a 303 i have yeah i've got i've got an early clone actually it was it was called uh what was it called cyclone it's an early clone, but it's a but uh but yeah I haven't had and I've had I've had various 101s and all that I mean yeah I think I've had a lot of them I had a, uh Jupiter 8 and stuff but so they kind of go, go through what's, what's your favorite thing? Roland Ooh, I think probably this uh Juno 60 here it's either between the 106 and 60 because they're just it's just such a workhorse I mean yeah. I think if I, if I had a Juno 60 and a mini Moog and I do love my Oberheim Matrix 1000 which is with its little controller I think if i had those that, that that could be it i could you know don't really need what's them your before. preferred drum machine um i kind of yeah probably 808 got um i've got this kind of weird core one over there it's a 55 and it's got these great fills which sound like um nag nag nab by kind nah. of <laughs> i love that because it's just really and it's, and it's got it's, its shuffle is a bit bit kind of crap i really like <coughs> but by, by far my favorite uh pedal is the eventide space i think that that's an incredible incredible bit of kit i'm just about to get there uh, they've got this new multi-effects called the uh h90 i'm just about to get one of those and uh, that, that'll keep me going over christian
1: <laughs> well and all your tips will keep our listeners going. <laughs> <laughs> what a joy it's been rich i'm going yeah. to contact you offline to discuss yeah. this
0: felt like
1: about five minutes have gone by. Really. Uh, I know, but it's, you know, because we're kindred spirits, aren't we? So uh, thank you for doing this. I really, fantastic. Appreciate- Great. And thanks for having me on. That was Richard. very Kind of erudite, an amenable kind of cat. Um, we could probably talk for another hour. Um, and he's got very eclectic taste, like a lot of the stuff I grew up with. We had, some, yeah, oh God, I keep coming back to Brian Eno, don't we? It's all about that and, that. and the kind of, this kind of tension between the popular melodic and the kind of alternative scene, I think is a very interesting space. It's something I'm very, fond of and I like to think that we came from that um, uh, because as soon as you just focus on making money it starts getting very dull I think um, I w- hope that he uh, agrees and I think he will do agree to do this show that I'm planning uh, in in Sheffield, Sheffield University at the Octagon uh, which is going to feature our 3D sound system and basically immersing and bathing people in incredible sound, healing sound beautiful sound and uh, emotionally engaging sound anyway how is everyone hope you're doing well everyone feel free to email me electronically martin at gmail.com if you have any comments about the show um i am very happy to hear ideas for guests or sections ideas for um for uh future episodes even maybe some specials that'd be good and please consider uh helping to support the podcast on my patreon site which is patreon.com slash electronically hours where for the price of a cup of coffee or a pint of beer per month you can keep this advert free independent and fun and keep me motivated to keep doing it. As I say, I lose money on every episode, but I don't mind, it's good. So, see you next week. Bye! Uh, This is Steve Gumtow. Hello, Martin. First off, thanks for such a wonderful show in Boston recently. It was great. Sorry for how they set up the chairs and tables. After the show, I made it a point to join your Patreon site. Thank you. I wish more people would. Your... it will help me. Your podcasts are such a great look into the lives of your interesting guests. Just finished the Stephen J. Lipson one. All have been great. Only suggestion I could hope for would be Alan Wilder. Cheers and stay well. Steve Gumtow. Gum Gumto. Okay. Not how Hello Martin This is from Jeffrey Barker Hello Martin I just signed up On Patreon For the price Of a cup of coffee A day Yay I love electronically Yours My favourite so far Are the interviews With Glenn Will Sargent And Pete Wiley Your interviewing style Is superb Uh, I recently was lucky enough to attend HEM17's performance at the Birchmere in Virginia, USA. Of course, the show was as brilliant as I could have hoped for. I even got my picture taken with you and Glenn. See below. Uh, Unfortunately, I confess I had eaten a cannabis cookie and consumed some beers during the performance, which might explain my embarrassingly bizarre facial expression in the picture. Don't blame me. I am a huge fan of BEF and HEM17. I would be interested in attending your songwriting class if you happen to make it available as an online course. That's a good idea. Please forgive me for being gauche. I would like to share a couple of my own instrumental sketches. I realise that you are certainly busy, so my feelings won't be hurt if you don't have time to listen. Keep up the fine and dandy podcasting. Jeff, a.k.a. J Marlin Barker, Alexandria, Virginia, USA. Thank you, Jeff. Rachel G. Davis. Hello, Martin. I started listening to your EY podcast on a whim as I wanted some interesting podcasts to listen to while working from home most of the week in my fairly dull admin job. I watched the first BBC documentary since Britannia about a couple of years ago and it's been insightful to listen to some of the people who featured on that documentary as well as the podcast with LaRue, Gerald Casale and Carrie and David. On the topic of podcast guests... You may have already had these suggestions. Uh, Sam Battle, look mum, no computer. This museum is not obsolete. He's the guy who created an organ out of furbies, has given a TED talk and runs a synthesizer electronic museum in Ramsgate. Number two, porridge. There are since synth- put synth since pop, since pop club band from manchester it would be cool to get a perspective from a currently active band in that general genre considering how much the music industry has changed since the start of the pandemic and since 40 years ago all the best with the podcast rachel from nottingham thank you rachel